0: for all things land development, planning and property. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. To find out how Ian can help you, visit propertyonfire.co.uk. Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's episode of Property on Fire. So what do we have coming up on today's episode? Well, we're going to be talking about dormers and in particular, how they relate to highways and indeed what a highway actually is, thanks to a question from Leo. And Val has contacted me asking about how long a planning application should take. So we'll be looking into that. Now my rant returns this week and I'll be ranting about new mentors. And in my A to Z, we'll be talking about amenity space and amenity land and what the difference actually is. So I hope you will learn a thing or two from today's episode. So without further ado, let's get started. But before we do, please do like, review and subscribe to this podcast, and come with me on this property journey. Right, before we dive into our first question from Leo, which was emailed to ian at propertyonfire.co.uk, I thought I would give you a quick update on our two main development sites. As you may well know, I run a company called Leading Homes along with my business partner and right-hand man, Jonathan Stobbs. We have a few sites, but our two main sites are, one is down in South Devon in a small town called Totnes. And on this one, we are currently converting what was originally built as a care home Uh, over 50 years ago, and then was converted into offices by the county council. I actually purchased this about three years ago now, and have slowly been converting this into a number of flats. The builders are, thankfully, pretty much now complete, although we do have one or two minor things to still satisfy building control, including replacing the soffits and the gutterings, which the builders decided to actually remove from the site. As to be quite honest, we don't actually yet have a fully watertight building as part of the envelope of the building is missing these crucial few items. So hopefully we can get that resolved this week and then we can get building control sign-off and then our first residents can actually now move in. We've already had some... Uh, exchanges on flats so that is always a good sign when you actually start receiving money for these dwellings on the exterior the landscaping continues to take shape so that is making the outside look really really nice up to the north of Devon now at our site in a town called Westwood Hoe and the site is actually positioned right next to England's oldest golf course At the moment we are in pre-construction phase on this site and on this we're getting one or two of the pre-commencement conditions dealt with so that we can actually make material start on site with the start of the road. Part of what we need to do initially is actually to get rid of the barn which we've now had confirmation does contain asbestos so that obviously has to be dealt with and disposed of in in a manner suitable for the materials. But I'm hoping that will actually take place in the next week or so, or certainly before the local birds decide to actually nest within the barn as that will actually hold us up if that happens. We are also talking to a couple of landowners elsewhere, and we're hoping to actually get some options finalised and signed fairly soon. So we ought to get those across the line within the next month, and that will certainly make a big difference to our future plans within Leading Homes. But as is the case with all our sites, once they are secured and once we actually have control of the sites, then we will give a little bit more information and explain to listeners as to how we've actually gone about obtaining these sites and obtaining these options within the sites. And to be honest, what an option actually means, I should never assume that everybody understands what all my terminology means and that is I guess as to why I'm actually doing my Ian's A to Z but I have a feeling we're going to have to wait a little while until we actually get down to the letter O for options especially as we're still on the letter A but it does seem like the a fair majority of the terms actually start with an A so there is a reason that we're probably still on the letter A and before you ask, yes, I will have something for the letters such as Q. So don't panic on that. It really will be an Ian's A to Z. Right, on to our first question that has kindly been emailed to ian at propertyonfire.co.uk. And this week it comes from Leo. So thank you, Leo, for your question. And he is asking, a lot of my neighbours all have dormers on their front of their properties and can I actually put a dormer under permitted development on the front of my house? Leo goes on to say that he actually lives on a very quiet lane so he's asking how this lane would affect his permitted development rights for putting a dormer onto his property. Well Leo thank you once again for your question and the simple answer is actually well you can't or not under permitted development anyway. Dormers and other roof alterations are covered in class B of part one of the general permitted development order. And whilst class B allows for the addition of an additional volume allowance of 40 cubic meters, additional roof space for terrace houses and an additional 50 cubic meters for detached and semi-detached houses. The one restriction is that you cannot go beyond the plane of the existing roof slope on the principal elevation that fronts the highway. And I'll come on to what a highway is in just a second. So Leo, you can actually put your dormer to the rear, and that is perfectly acceptable, but it cannot face the actual highway. Now, if anyone else is looking to add a dormer, then you need to be aware that roof extensions are not possible on what we term as Article 2 3 land. We actually covered Article 2 land in episode 8 of Ian's A to Z of Property. However, in this instance, we are talking about conservation areas, areas of outstanding natural beauties and for example, Norfolk and Suffolk Broads. Now it's worth mentioning that for fairly obvious reasons, if you are extending the roof, that you cannot add any verandas, balconies, or raised platforms, they are a no-no. Right, now I actually said earlier that you cannot put a roof extension on the elevation that faces the highway. But what actually is a highway? Because Leo says that he lives on a fairly quiet lane. So is that a highway? Well, Leo, the fairly simple answer is actually yes, it is, I'm afraid. A lane is a highway. Now, without getting too technical here, there is a common law definition that says a highway is a way over which there exists a public right of passage. That is to say, a right for all Her Majesty's subjects, at all seasons of the year freely and at their will to pass and repass without let or hindrance. Now what that basically means in plain English is that a highway can be a road or a footpath, and it does not have to even be a drivable route. Often people will refer to a private road, in inverted commas, as somewhere that is not a highway. Well, a private road is a highway, unless it's gated and is truly a private piece of land owned by one or more parties. More often, these private roads are simply unadopted roads. And it might surprise you that we have over 40,000 unadopted roads in England and Wales alone. And this makes up over 4,000 miles of road. So they are not that unusual, but these are all highways unless they are truly, truly private. When we actually get down to H, I will cover a bit more about highways, but you'll need to wait a few more episodes before we get to that point. So going back to your question, Leo, no, I'm afraid you can't put the dormer without full planning permission on the front of your property, but as long as you aren't in a conservation or area or other restricted areas, and by the way, this may actually include previous planning restrictions on your property so you better just check on that as well but you can put it on the rear under permitted development but if you want it out the front then i'm afraid you are going to need full planning permission but if a lot of your neighbors already have dormers on their houses then i don't see too many issues with the planning application because your property will still be in keeping with those of your neighbours. I hope that was of help Leo and appreciate your question sent to ian at propertyonfire.co.uk. And don't forget, if you'd like your question answered, then please ping me an email or you are welcome to send me a tweet at propertyonfire or contacting me via one of the other methods. This is Property On Fire with Ian Walmsley. And now Ian's Rant. Okay, right. My rant this week is about new mentors and people who claim to be experts within literally five minutes of doing property. Now, you're probably going to be saying it to yourself, but hold on a second, Ian. You're a mentor. You mentor people. You train people. So what, what is the difference here? Well, yes, I do. However, I had my first buy to let when I was 18 and doing a bit of quick maths That means that I did it round about 35 to 40 years ago, which is some considerable time. Mind you, in those days, I was a little bit green and to be honest, I didn't actually know what a mentor even was. In those days also, you couldn't go to the estate agent and give them a property to let. They just actually refused to do it. So, hey, how times have changed. But going back to my rant, this is about people who have literally been in property for it seems like about five minutes. They have probably done a course, they've probably come off a course, which has probably been a three-day course anyway. They've been told that they know it all, they think they know it all, and before you know it, they have run a little bit short of cash. So what do they do? Ah, I'll become a mentor because, hey, I know it all now. I know everything that is to do about my speciality in property. So let me teach you. Well, my friend, I'm afraid you don't. You're not even cooked in the life of property. You really are not. Until you've actually made mistakes, until you've actually done it wrong, and actually that's actually cost you money. I'm afraid you do not have a Scooby-Doo. Yes, you learnt on the course. You probably read a few books. You were probably top of the class within the course. Ah, I'm sorry, folks. This is really, really annoying me right now. Because, yes, you see them all over Facebook. You see them on Instagram. You'll see them on other social media. And you're probably listening to them now on Clubhouse saying, I know everything. Trust me. I'm an expert in this. Well, they aren't. They aren't. They'd like to think they know what they're talking about, but rest assured, they do not. And yeah, I'm going on a bit here, but yes, it annoys me. It really, really annoys me. And does it annoy you? Ah, uh, yeah, oh, yes. I can hear you all screaming, yes, yes, yes. Right, probably apart from that person that's actually doing that. And if you are, not a problem. But please. Don't call yourself an expert after five minutes because you really are not cooked. You have to do this property lark for a little bit longer than five minutes. Right, I'm going to have to have a sip of water now because to be quite honest, I've got rather hot under the collar over all that. So look, if you've got a rant, if something annoys you in the property sphere, in the property industry, then why not let me know? You can email me ian at propertyonfire.co.uk or you can tweet me at propertyonfire. I don't really mind how you get hold of me folks but just if you've got something to let off steam about just like I do reading these people who are just experts after 30 seconds or 40 seconds or whatever it might be then please do get in touch. Right now that I've calmed down a little bit after that rant um, we'll go on to our question from Val. And she has kindly emailed in to ask me, how long should a planning application take? Now, unfortunately, Value don't actually specify as to which type of planning application you actually are talking about. So I'm going to answer this a little bit broader with two or three examples. Right. First of all, with permitted development, if you've got a prior approval application, then normally this is 56 days. There are one or two exceptions to this, such as demolition, which may only be 28 days. But for a change of use, the majority will actually be 56 days or eight weeks. And this 56 days is actually a continuous 56 days. So it will include, Val, days like Christmas, Boxing Day, Easter, Good Friday, whatever. They are all included in the 56 days, and this does include weekends as well. So it is a rolling 56 days once your application has actually been submitted to the local authority. It doesn't even start from when they validate it. So if they take a while to validate, then that's not your problem either. Now, if you've submitted a what's called a PIP or permission in principle, then that is a five-week period. So a nice rapid application there. But if this is a full planning application, then the statutory period for straightforward planning applications is an eight-week period. The 13-week period applies to unusually large or complex applications, and if you are subject to an Environmental Impact Assessment, or an EIA, then it is 16 weeks, irrespective of the type of planning application that you have submitted. So if it is a full planning application, then I suspect that the actual statutory period for you Val would be eight weeks. However, I ought to say at this point that due to the current situation with COVID and everything else, that this period is rather stretched at the moment. And as a result, the determination period can be extended if you agree as the applicant. Now, should you decide not to have an extension, then unfortunately your choices are to either withdraw your planning application or to take it to an appeal for non-determination. But just a warning, if you decide to do it to non-determination and go for an appeal to the inspectorate, then the local authority can no longer make a decision. They are not allowed to make a decision on that planning application. So therefore, you will take it out of their hands. So just tread carefully if you decide to do that because you don't get the opportunity to go back to them. And to be honest, if they were just about to give you permission, you probably don't wish to do that either. So my recommendation to you, Val, if you are beyond the eight weeks, send them a nice, polite email. And if you're still not getting anywhere, then look to perhaps copy in the more senior people within the planning department. I think all local authorities within their planning departments are very stretched at the moment. So I think we all need just to give them a little bit of patience as far as these applications are concerned. But once you've actually gone beyond the statutory eight weeks for a standard planning application, you do have a right to go to the inspectorate. An appeal at the moment is, to be honest, is taking at least six to nine months, if not longer. So you may just want to sort of work with the local authority because if you do go to an appeal, it is going to take quite a while for that to be resolved by the inspectorate. I hope that answers your question, Val, but if you need any more information, then please email me, Ian. At propertyonfire.co.uk, or tweet me at propertyonfire, and I'll be pleased to help you a little, little bit further. Thank you, Val, once again for your question. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley, and now Ian's A to Z of Property. Right, for those of you who have been following since episode two, my A to Z of Property is still on the letter A, and to date we've covered items such as asbestos. AGLV, Article 2 land, AONB, and this week we are looking at amenity space and amenity land. So what is amenity space? Well, quite simply, when a new housing development is built, the developer is required to provide amenity space to meet the recreational and domestic needs of the occupants. Now, depending upon the type of dwelling proposed, amenity space is required to provide recreational activities such as sitting out or play space for children, gardening, or for other normal domestic requirements such as drying clothes. The actual minimum garden sizes will vary from local authority to local authority. So if you're unsure and you are going to be building a property, please refer to your local planning authority for their guidance on this. But typically expect to see figures of around 50 square meters for one and two bedrooms and 60 square meters for larger properties. If you are developing new flats and this like the houses could actually be a change of use as well then you should be providing a space for all occupants within the curtilage of the building. This may be in the form of outdoor private space, a terrace perhaps for ground floor accommodation and balconies for those flats that are above ground floor level or it could well be communal amenity space. Now if residents actually have access and good access or close access I guess to public open space or perhaps in the form of roof gardens then this may actually be considered by the local authority themselves. I've certainly known approval being given with no amenity space at all for flats where a local park is virtually next door and this has been accepted. Balconies may well be sufficient if each flat has a balcony and a terrace or the ground floor. You may not need to actually provide communal gardens or communal space, but for obvious reasons, car parks, bin stores and garages folks are not considered as amenity space in this area. Although, trust me, some people do try and get get away with it, but please don't. I think if COVID has taught us one thing, I think it's having amenity space, either a garden or communal gardens, I think is very important to the well-being of everyone, to be honest. I think we all need a little bit of space where we can actually get out, relax. And if the sun does shine, then you know, a bench or something like that to sit upon and just enjoy relaxing. Right, amenity land, and this is a little bit different because this is land which is valued locally for its visual importance and or contribution to the area. This might be publicly owned land or it could be privately owned land and often it will have restrictions as to what can actually be done with it. For example, you might not be allowed to actually fence amenity land if it's privately owned. You may be able to access the land or it may be restricted. It can vary. And don't forget the land may have been created by an earlier Section 106 from a previous planning application. So you may well see any restrictions to that land specified within such a document. And if that is the case, you should be able to find the section 106, especially on modern estates, within the planning portal for your local authority. Now, if you do own amenity land privately, then doing anything with it, apart from it just being land, will probably require a change of use. And so you are going to require permission to be sought from your local authority and this will normally include fencing it to keep people off the land. I hope that explains what amenity space and amenity land is and the difference between the two. A massive thank you to Leo for his question about dormers and to also to Val on the time for planning applications. And I hope the answers that I were able to give you earlier in this episode helped both of you greatly. If you have a question for me, on anything to do with property, it does not have to be about planning. It could be about HMOs, it could be about development, it could be absolutely anything, rent to rent, I don't care what it's about. If you've got a question that you would like answered, then please do make contact with me. You can either email me in at propertyonfire.co.uk or you can tweet me at propertyonfire and to be honest if I can't answer your question I will find an expert that can but I'll make sure that expert has been in the property game for a little bit more than five minutes so don't have any fears over that and no I won't be paying an eye-watering sum to go on a mentorship course from them either um no I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and if you have Why not tell a few of your friends about the episode and about Property on Fire? It really would be appreciated. And by the way, if you didn't enjoy it, please tell me why. I really don't bite. Now, if I can help you in your property journey in 2021, then do please get in touch. Keep safe and we'll chat again next Tuesday. Have a wonderful week. Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. Please use your podcast app to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like a question answered on a future episode, email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk.